here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Good evening, comrades. This is Everything Evolves. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by Aaron Taub. And we are coming to you after a weekend that will live in infamy. Yes, as you know by now, Zach Sabre Jr., the hero of our hearts and the star of this podcast, is no longer your Evolve champion. Aaron. Do you think you're going to be able to go through with this podcast today? Maybe. Our sweet woke boy. The anti-fascist armbar assassin. The ultimate class warrior. The absolute boy of Evolve Wrestling has been dethroned. And uh, I just want to take a... um, Ask all of our listeners to join us to, uh, in a moment of silence, to remember Zack Saber Jr.'s outstanding title reign and his formidable run in this great promotion. Thank you. Podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are a proud member 
of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, which you can find at VoicesOfWrestling.com or on the podcast app of your choice. You can follow us on Twitter at EvolvePod, and you can find your hosts, The Wrong Boys, on Twitter, Aaron Bentley at Aaron Like the Car, and Aaron Taub at AP Taub. Okay, as everyone knows, as you're all aware, at Evolve 102 in New Orleans, Louisiana, or in Kenner, Louisiana, I suppose, Zack Sabre Jr. lost the Evolve Championship to Matt Riddle. His title reign ended at 404 days. But that, my friends, was not the low point of the weekend because after Zack defeated Muna Norisawa at the WWN Super Show the next night, Evolve released a video of Zack telling us that he was leaving the promotion. He will no longer compete for Evolve, at least for the time being. Uh, He apparently has signed a full-time contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and he will be spending a lot more time there. So for now, we won't be seeing Zach, and I guess, no, we'll probably still be talking about Zach on this podcast because we have to find a way to get through these tough times together. We have to lift each other up in spirit, sometimes in song, and uh, find a way to survive. AT, what do you think... A, what do you think we can do to survive this? And B, uh, how do you feel about Zach leaving Evolve? Well, we just got to keep on keeping on. We got to keep podcasting. We got to keep posting. We got to keep doing what we do. And together, in solidarity, the leftist wrestling internet will move forward and move on to brighter days. A better world is possible. And we will achieve it someday. Uh, yeah, I mean, in seriousness, yeah, I'm, I'm super bummed. I mean, we really talked. We talked before about how we really didn't want Zach to lose the title to Matt Riddle, and he did. And I mean, what a great wrestler to lose from this promotion. I mean, from a critical standpoint, Zach Saber Jr. has been head and shoulders the absolute best thing about this company for the entirety of his title reign. I mean, when we talked about um, the MVP of 2017, when we talked about the best wrestler, wrestler, evolved wrestler of the year for 2017 in our year in review show with Joe Lanza, which you can listen to in our feed. Um, I think all three of us were unanimous. It wasn't even close. It was Zack Sabre Jr. And then everybody else. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's tough to see him go. Um, the way that they did it, sucked ass you know like um i was it made me think about um the beginning of catcher in the rye where he's talking about how like um i mean here's here's what you know jd salinger writes i mean i left schools in places i didn't even know i was leaving them i don't care if it's a sad goodbye or a bad goodbye but when i leave a place i live i like to know i'm leaving it if you don't you feel even worse and that's how I felt. Like, Zack Sabre Jr., champion for 400 days, wins his match, walks off, and there's no announcement in the live building that, like, Zack Sabre Jr., the fucking guy in this promotion for over a year, is leaving. There's just a fucking tweet. Like, I just, like, I, I don't understand it at all. Like, why you wouldn't give chance, the fans a chance to, like, bid him adieu and to give him 
that nice reaction that we all wanted to give to have that catharsis to say goodbye uh, as a group. And also just like makes your promotion look kind of shitty in the sense that like, if your promotion is important and the wrestler who is your champion is important, it should be important when that person leaves. And I think goodbyes are like such a great way to like bond fans to promotions. Like when we think about some of the iconic goodbye, I mean, I know he's not leaving for WWE and he said he'll probably be back one day, but there should have been something right. Like when you think of like iconic moments of like, you know, Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero uh, leaving ECW or Paul London telling the ROH fans about his dream to eat milk and cookies with them uh, on his, at his final appearance that death before dishonor, like, these moments matter, and it's part of why we all love pro wrestling. And it just seemed bizarre to not have that moment or even a smaller moment. And I just don't get it. Like, even if it was short notice that he was leaving, you have to do something. He's Zack Sabre Jr. Right? This isn't like when Ethan Page leaves or Fred Yehi. This is Zack Sabre Jr. Like, I, I was just, I was just floored. Uh, that it was just such a dumb way to find out and no he wasn't written out he wasn't given a goodbye like because we talked earlier too like we talked we taught heard the rumors that like oh his his uh, u.s visa had expired he may be leaving soon and the one thing i don't know if i said it on air but i know i said it to you some sometime where i was like if he leaves i just hope they give him a proper write out and a proper goodbye uh, and they didn't which uh i don't know what do you think happened on their end? It's, I have no clue. I, I tweeted it out immediately when the video came down uh, first that I was absolutely gutted that Zach would no longer be in the promotion. But second, that it was just mind blowing that they dropped it in a video uh, that Zach deserved better, which I think is true. And I don't care if he gave him notice right before the show started. You have to be bigger. Uh, I, and I don't think this was a, a petty thing, why they didn't do it. They just decided, I don't think so. They just decided not to do it. But the crowd needed, uh, and I'm sure Zach would have appreciated, you know, a nice little thank you, Zach chant, uh, anything. I, I don't know. I have no clue why they did it. Uh, maybe it's that they really think he's coming back sooner rather than later. And so it doesn't feel like goodbye to the promotion as much as it, Feels like goodbye to us. Then, like, do some kind of angle that justifies why he's out or have him cut a promo that's like, oh, I'm so upset about losing the title. I'm, like, going to leave for a few months and rethink things and, like, come back stronger. Or, like, some kind of, like, on-screen way of bridging the gap, but, you know, of, like, sort of, like, yeah, explaining kind of what's happening and allowing people to sort of experience that. Yeah, there's this, there's this real issue in wrestling now where the promoters take for granted that everyone follows what goes on, you know, backstage or whatever, you know, the, what's going on in people's real lives. And they use that as an excuse or as a crutch not to create a full environment, not to create something that is immersive. Regardless of whether I know that Zach is going to New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Evolve Universe needs to have some ending for him. It, otherwise, he just disappears. And if I'm, not, if I'm not someone who's plugged in to what's going on, 
I'm just clueless as to what happened. And it's not it's not satisfying if I say Gabe Sapolsky, where did Zack Sabre Jr. go? It's not satisfying for him to say to me he went to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Because New Japan Pro Wrestling doesn't exist in Evolve. That doesn't fulfill me. It doesn't answer the question. Uh, so no matter how they did it, I just want a reason why he left. And uh, as I talk more about this, the more angry I'm getting that we didn't get a reason, uh, like a, a kayfabe reason why he left. It's uh, it's just depressing. And I feel like even going to New Japan can be the kayfabe reason. Hey, sure, sure. I loved wrestling for you guys for these past several years. Um, I'm going, you know, I'm going to work in New Japan and like do this. Like we, everyone would understand. Like there just needs to be some kind of like actual kayfabe reason and explanation. Yeah, that's uh, fair. I, I guess my point was more like now that he's gone, if I asked where he went and they tell me New Japan, that really doesn't doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't really help it within the context of the promotion. Right. Yeah, that that I and in the way this thing was booked, it was like Sawa was the one who was left in the ring, a dude who's wrestled three matches, four ma- four matches, I guess, in Evolve ever. Like he was the one, maybe five, I don't know, less than ten matches and evolve ever and he's the guy who's left in the ring to sort of soak in the like goodbye of the farewell applause i don't know man it was just bizarre which sekimoto didn't even get and i know he'd never wrestled in the promotion but they were pretty similar as far as uh, how they were coming into the promotion so it was just nonsensical i agree excellent um i guess the other uh, you know the clear big story or the um What's the word I'm looking for? The obvious big story now that Zach is no longer champion is that we're beginning the Matt Riddle Evolve Championship reign. He defeated Daisuke Sekimoto at Evolve 103 and Will Ospreay at the WWN Super Show in a match that I expect we'll talk a lot about later in this show. Uh, the big thing from uh, Riddle's title reign is he announced that all his title matches will be no rope break matches. And that came into play immediately in the Sekimoto match. Yeah. What do you think about this? Because I feel like as a lawyer, you would appreciate that in kayfabe, it's bad precedent to just allow your champion to make the rules on the fly without any sort of, um, you know, deliberation on the part of management. Theoretically, the evolved champion shouldn't just be able to announce unilaterally the conditions under which their title are going to be defended. Right. Well, clearly, clearly, we've gone from socialism to authoritarianism. What? <laughs> Bro, authoritarianism, maybe. Oh man, uh, that was bad. I apologize for that. Um, but in all seriousness, I like it. Like it's interesting. It adds a, a different. I've liked it the whole time. Riddle's done this as long as they keep it consistent. It's add some added something interesting to his matches. There was a great moment in the Sekimoto match that. Uh, worked around the no rope break thing, and uh, I really appreciated that in the moment. I guess my question, Aaron, is now that we've seen two Matt Riddle title defenses, and we talked about this on the preview show, did you see anything from Matt Riddle this weekend that makes you believe there's a new Matt Riddle in the offing? Yes. I, mm. on, our, on, our, on our preview shows, we talked about how like if Zach's going to win this thing, or sorry, if Matt Riddle's going to win the title, he needs to evolve. He needs to improve. He needs to become something different than what he's been, which has just been like this smiling guy who goes out and has very good, but not sort of transcendently great matches. And I 
don't think we saw it in the first match against Sekimoto. And I don't think the title win over Zach was a particularly great match. We can talk about that. But the third match against Will Ospreay was the Matt Riddle I want to see and that I've been dying to see for a long, long time. He was vicious. He was mean. The match had a real story, right? It wasn't just like moves and like no selling Germans. It was just like it felt there were stakes and there was pathos and it was a phenomenal wrestling match um, that that really was just uh, probably the best match I saw all weekend. Definitely in the top two or three. Um, we'll talk more about it later. But but yeah, he wrestled with an edge in that match in a way that like it was like, OK, this is a different guy. We've heard him say a million times, like, I can't just be the bro anymore. Like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be more focused. And in this one, he was like shitty and mean he was pulling off will osprey's you know neck tape and 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 being vicious so that gives me hope i mean he cut like a baby face promo right after that that sort of undermines the work but maybe that's him maybe that's the character is that um he's this chill cool dude outside the ring he loves to have fun but then when the bell rings he's a killer and maybe that sort of plays into him as a UFC fighter where it's like not every UFC fighter, you know, who who fights very vicious and is trying to win and can hurt you. Uh, you know, not every UFC fighter is going to be like a sociopath outside the cage. So maybe that's the story they're telling with him. Um, I'm hopeful. Is, is that true? <laughs> I don't know. I, I Presumably some UFC fighters are good. I don't know. But like, but, so I, I'm hopeful that, um. yeah, that we'll continue to see that edge, that he'll have more matches like that Will Ospreay match as far as the quality of the match, and that we will sort of continue to see more of the character too. Again, Sekimoto, they're, they're sort of like making him seem more dangerous, right? The Sekimoto match was sort of an abrupt end, and so they're sort of giving you this idea that Matt Riddle is a dangerous man. He's going to do what he can to hurt. He's plant, they're planting that seed. He's a dangerous man. He's going to do what he can to hurt you, and he can finish you at any moment. So a jury is still out. There's a long way to grow, but that Will Ospreay match was very encouraging. And the Evolve Championship was not the only title that changed hands this weekend in the Evolve family. Austin Theory is your new WWN champion after he beat Keith Lee in uh, some really bizarre booking that I'm confident we'll talk about later. Uh, Theory lost the first night, then challenged Keith Lee, and ultimately became champion. Is what a, in the big picture? What do you think this means, At? Well, it's hard to say because one of the problems with the WWN Championship is that it's never been made clear what it really stands for or means. Right? I think we could sort of kind of understand that it was always below the Evolve Championship in some sort of, even though. They were both held by equivalent stars. Like Zach did beat Matt Riddle in the title versus title match. Um, it seemed like Zach was the strongest book guy in the company. Therefore, you would think that the Evolve Championship was number one. But it was never really um, made clear whether the WWN Championship was like a co-world championship or a secondary title, like you know an intercontinental or a U.S. championship. Um, so it's like when the problem without when you don't like clearly define what something is supposed to mean in your universe is that when someone wins that title, it doesn't mean anything, right? I don't know. Does it mean that Austin theory is taking a step forward? 
Does it mean that they're sort of saying clearly that this WWN championship is going to be the secondary title? Um, that they just have too many belts floating around and they want to merge the FIP with the WWN. Um, I don't know. That's that's like the problem. And and at some point they should kind of make clear what these titles actually mean. Uh, is it I, possible? Oh, sorry. Is it Go possible ahead. that it means Keith Lee is on his way out? Oh yeah, that's the other thing that I would think from this is that like Keith Lee wrestled twice at Access, I believe, uh, on the WWE shows. I mean, you watch the guy for five minutes, and it's pretty clear that uh, his future will be in WWE at some point. He loses two out of three matches this weekend. Um, yeah, I think that's a hint that uh, things are going well for him with his sort of WWE appraisal. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I took from it. Plus, our, our pal Joe Lanza uh, reported that when Keith Lee's match started at the Super Show, I believe, uh, a or no, at Progress, at the Noon Progress Show, a WWE representative sat down next to him. So clearly they're watching Keith Lee and, and have... I would think have plans to bring him on. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like maybe this is finally the clarity we wanted. They're putting this WWN title on a, on a sort of a lesser star in Austin theory. And it's a chance for them to sort of clearly delineate that like Matt Riddle is the guy, you know? And I think that that's one thing that they're doing with this Matt Riddle title change is that they're being like, this is our new a number one, and even though, like, I, before I was like, well, he doesn't need the title to elevate him. But if they give him, like, the super-duper push, like, he also won Style Battle this weekend. Like, if, if if they give him this real, like, really, really strong push, they, you know, maybe it sort of delineates him as, like, the guy above all guys. Um, and, and the WWN title is sort of slotted in beneath it as a secondary title. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, Zach was the most dominant champion in Evolve history, and Riddle tapped him out. So if you look at it from a strictly kayfabe perspective, I think they are telling us a story that Riddle is a monster and is uh, completely dominant over the rest of the, the promotion. Yeah, maybe we're finally seeing the fruits of the, you know, five or six, you know, Matt Riddle's going to find his edge go around. <laughs> All right, well, we're, we're going to get into the cards. We're going to break down Evolve 102, Evolve 103, and the WWN Super Show. But before we do that, it sounded like I was about to do an ad read. I'm not about to do an ad read. Before we do that, Aaron and I wanted to talk about the WrestleMania experience and what it was like uh, being down in New Orleans for all these shows. Uh, we caught Evolve 102 and the Super Show live. We did not catch 103 live. Uh, I saw eight shows. How many shows did you catch, A.T.? Let's see. Evolve 102. <laughs> oh, good. It's <laughs> Thursday. Then Friday, we saw four shows. We saw The Crash. Oh, yeah. You, um, missed, you missed most of Bloodsport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, uh, technically. Okay. So I saw half of Bloodsport. So one half. So I think you were at every show I was at, but you missed part of Bloodsport. Missed part left. of The Crash and left okay. Progress early. So right. I guess I went to six and a half shows. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not to walk everyone through all that. Um, yeah, so I went to six and a half shows. I tried to make it a little easier for you. Yeah, I appreciate uh, that. I guess the most important thing that happened all weekend was that uh, two of our listeners came up and chatted with us. 
Yeah, uh, huge moment. Shout out to, to Travis. Shout out to Brandon for saying hi. Uh, it was extremely affirming. I was telling people earlier in the day Thursday that I was like, oh, man, if someone recognizes my voice and like knows our podcast <laughs> at these shows, it will make my weekend. And then lo and behold, we're sitting at the show. The dude next to me, this, this, this guy, Travis, was like, hey, or do you have an Evolve podcast? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's me. And he was like, yeah, I like the show. And it was it was cool. And um, yeah, I guess you can talk to Travis and Brandon, who who said hello at the uh, at the Rev Pro show. Uh, you know, you can talk to them and see whether, um, you know, my boasts before WrestleMania, that I'm capable of having a conversation with strangers, uh, whether I made good on that promise. I don't know if you're capable of having conversation with strangers, but I saw you have conversations with about 5,000 people that you apparently knew before. Uh, I came to refer to you as the mayor of Kenner, Louisiana. Uh, you seem to uh, know all the people in the wrestling bubble. I don't know. I have like, there's like a certain subsection of like people that I know, like, like the Greg H mafia are people that I like know kind of. I know some members of them well and some of them like less well, but I'm like familiar with them. And they were like around me at that area, you know, for a long period of time. So so it sort of made it artificially inflated the number of people I appeared to know. Um, but, yeah, I'm just very I just I think if you want to make friends when you go to WrestleMania, you just have to give up your life for tweeting. If you just post enough, eventually you'll you'll meet people. Um, and yeah. So yeah, I had a had a great time. Um so good seeing all of our internet friends. We I just had a wonderful time. Um it was kind of like being in a hold. Do you listen to the hold steady? Uh, I mean, I have, but not religiously. Yeah. Well, I do kind of religiously, but I feel like um like the whole WrestleMania weekend is like being in a hold steady song where it's just like they're you're just part of this like rollicking party scene and uh, you know, it's just a very unified scene in New Orleans, and uh, I just felt a lot of love for uh, the great sport of pro wrestling and the community that we've all like found around it. Um, and I also got very drunk and very high and did not sleep much, which is why my voice sounds the way it does, even though I got home more than a day ago. Uh, just a lot of screaming and drinking and smoking. I did not get drunk or high. Uh, but thanks to uh, the great Sasuke singing It's My Life by Bon Jovi at approximately 4 a.m. on one of those nights we were there, I started to wonder if you'd slip something in one of my drinks, uh, if I'd somehow ingested drugs accidentally, because I'm look, I'm watching Sasuke sing It's My Life, and then I turn my head, and Brock Lesnar guy's standing there. And uh, it was a real weird moment for me. Yeah, well, Joey Janela's spring break is like a is like a trip all on its own. Um, but yeah, I would say the one thing that I learned from hanging out with you for a full weekend because we'd met before, but we'd never spent so much time together in real sure. life. And what I learned was that you have sort of like the lowered inhibitions and sort of um, extroversion of a person who's on drugs and alcohol, just sort of generally. Um, like I remember being at, um, I remember we were at Joey Janela's spring break. It was before the show starts and I've been like prepping for the whole day. I was like, okay, we have to like hit a certain level of like drunken highness going into this show. And I had reached it 
you know, I, I, I like before the show started, I grabbed two like double whiskey cokes from the bar and like sat down with them and started to go to work. And several of us who were who had been drinking and smoking were just like yelling random stuff before the show. And lo and behold, AB is just there <laughs> yelling dumb shit right along with us. And I look over at him. And I was like, he's like, he hasn't done anything today. AB almost got into a fight at spring break. I did not almost get into a fight. That's the that's what I wasn't there for it because I was on the extremely long um, line to get booze because a stranger on Twitter was like, we should get a shot. And it took like two matches to get the shot. But in any no, event, I'm pretty sure you were there. Not when you, you almost got into the fight. Hmm. I came back and the seat was wet. OK, well, I'll get to that. Let me go back just a second to say I'm I'm really terribly introverted as a like in my normal life. But I do have, well, first I decided I was just going to have a great time at these wrestling shows. And so I was going to do the damn thing no matter what. But two, I do kind of like soak in everyone else's behavior. So if everyone else is acting goofy, it will only encourage me to act goofier. So was I trying to get big boy season chance started? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Was I yelling about Megan Towns? Absolutely. I was doing that. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. Um, look, this guy spilled a beer on my chair, right? Uh, a, a beer that, as it turned out, was handed to him by our good friend, Mike Spears. Uh, he spilled it on my chair. Things like that happen, right? No big deal. But instead of like apologizing, trying to help clean it up, the guy just stares at me. So I said to him, uh, very sarcastically, hey, thanks a lot for that. I really appreciate it. And then I sat down in a, I guess because you were gone, there was a dry chair. So I sat down in the dry chair and just moved on with my life. And the guy in real uh, Nick Gage fashion uh, remarked to his friends that uh, it wasn't a big deal because I was just a pussy. You don't use gender language around Aaron Bentley. You don't. I didn't appreciate the... uh, the use of that language around me. So I turned around, asked the guy if he had something he wanted to say to me. And as our friend Epitasis put it, put it in uh, our group chat, there was not almost a fight because I broke his spirit instantly. That's it. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> Aaron's wife, Sarah missed one show. She went to seven <laughs> shows this weekend. <laughs> And the one time she went, she went away, AB was already basically ready to scrap, crushing yeah. people's souls. I'm just like, I'm not good at putting up with people's crap. Like when people do things that irritate me, I'm not good at just letting them uh, roll off my back. I'm extremely good at uh, <laughs> not letting them roll off my back, but just kind of letting these things happen and seething internally right. um, forever. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I I'm not very good at that. So uh, luckily, we didn't have to find out, uh, as we talked about on the previous show, whether our friends would back me up in a fight. (laughs) I'm a little worried about how that would have happened. (laughs) Uh, But big shout outs to uh, to the wrong boy click, uh, the communist crew, as Joe Lanza has has named us. Uh, Epitasis, Oatgen, Mike Spears, uh, Drake who I don't think is a communist, but uh, but it's definitely, was definitely part of our clique for this weekend. Uh, 
they were all great. It was a lot of fun. I don't know. You know these people online. I knew, you know, we'd met, but I knew the rest of the people online. And you just assume that somebody's uh, going to be weird, you know. And uh, But no, everybody was great. Tharos, uh, everybody was great. Uh, we couldn't have a better little uh, crew of, of buds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wonderful time. Got to hang out with Sarah, which was cool because I only met both of you that one time. I still can't figure out, maybe you can help me on this. Sure. How much Sarah likes wrestling in the sense that I was like, Sarah, like, who are you? What do you like? What wrestling do you like? And she was like, just like whatever Aaron has on TV. I like when there's commentary. Um, but then right. she went to seven shows. <laughs> yeah, she fell asleep. Uh, she went back to take a nap before spring break and, of course, slept too long. And so she decided not to come back out. Um. I don't know. I mean, if she has a, an inkling that there's a WWE pay-per-view on on a Sunday, she's like, oh, we're going to watch Blah Blah tonight. Like, she's cool with that. She more likes the NXT, especially was into NXT uh, during, like, the Bailey, Sasha, Becky, Charlotte era. That's really, that's her thing. Um, but I don't know. There's, she likes Zach a lot. There's people that she likes just because I watch them a lot, you know, and so she kind of gets into it. Uh, but... I don't, I don't know what compelled her to go to seven wrestling shows. I got to be honest. But and she was like into it. Yeah. I mean, she was cheering and clapping along and seemed to be having a pretty good time. I will say when we got home, I turned on uh, NXT because we missed that. We, within five minutes of getting home, I turned on NXT. Not because I wanted to watch it, but because WrestleMania was coming on later that night and I wanted to be online and I was not spoiled on NXT yet. And when I turned it on, she just looked at me with disgust. Uh, she laid down on the couch and went to sleep and refused to watch a second of the show. Fair. I think that's fair. I feel like yeah. if all you get is a look of disgust, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah she's, a, she's a real deal wrestling fan. But then she asked me who won the matches and wanted to know what time WrestleMania started. Wow. And we watched some of WrestleMania until she had to go to bed. So I don't answer the question. She's she's like a she's a real she loves the graps. She's a legit casual fan. Absolutely. I feel like you're not like I feel like you're. Yeah, I feel like you guys undersell it in the sense that if you're a casual fan, you wouldn't watch like 21 hours of wrestling in three sure. days. I just think if I said, like, Sarah, I'm not going to watch wrestling anymore, I don't think she'd ever watch another second of wrestling. The thing with Sarah here, let's let's just be real for a second. The thing with Sarah is she's an absolute uh, great wife who just wants to do things that I want to do. And so she's happy to go along because she knows that I really enjoy it. That's really sweet. Same reason I went to Disney World with her. That's true. Uh, Yes, we just luckily really like to do things that the other person likes to do. Aww. So, I know. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's sweet. Okay, let's stop uh, breaking down my relationship and... Yeah, just asking questions for our listeners to... No, I like know, it. Just, just, yeah. I mean, I was, really, uh, I was really impressed with Sarah just like made herself a part of the group. Yeah. She was, like hanging out and talking to Epi, talking to Oat, just like... Whatever. Yeah, all kinds of internet randos. 
Yes, yes, that's true. She like, and she had, she's bad with names, but she pretty much, and there were a lot of Nates, but she kind of had all the names down. She was asking me questions about everyone. Um, she's much better at social interaction than I am. So, uh, but I, it was good. It was all good. Yeah. Hey, Aaron. Yeah. Here's a question. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, of the convention center where all the WWN events happened? Um, I thought it was pretty good. It was interesting because we got to go to um, shows at both the WWN Live Experience at the Pontchartrain Convention Center, which was a kind of in like a suburb called Kenner on like, I guess, the western part of the New Orleans area. And then we also went to shows in the Sugar Mill uh, for the for the WrestleCon shows, which is kind of pretty close to like within walking distance of the French Quarter on the eastern part and kind of like the crescent of New Orleans. And real geography hours. Real geography hours. I've been to New Orleans twice now, and it's basically my favorite place in the world. Like, I love New Orleans so much. It's such a great city with so much, like, so much, like, color and, like, vibrancy. And it's just, like, a place where people, like, celebrate life and death in a way that's, like, very sweet. So, shout out to New Orleans. They should do it there every year and never go to fucking Orlando. Uh, <laughs> you know. In any event. Yeah, the WWN, exper- WWN experience was, was similar in some sense to the venue last year in that it was like very dark and there was sort of like a sort of a floor seats area. And then there was like one section of general admission of sort of like tiered stadium seating. And that was interesting in that so it was like last year's venue in that sense, except it was much nicer. Like it was just a nicer venue. Every, it was like a little, it was like just the seats were more, were like more comfortable. It wasn't as like run down. It was a nicer, it was a much nicer building. It was a really nice building. Um, the one issue I guess was that it was like, I would say that it was a great place for like hanging out with your friends, but it was not as good a place to like be a part of a wrestling crowd and be at a wrestling show as the rep, as the rev pro wrestle con venue. In the sense that, because there was only one GA section, it was like the opposite side of the venue just had a shitload of open space with no bleachers. And so the sound, I, we were talking to Mike Spears about it, who's big on production. And Mike was saying that like, because of the high ceilings and there's one section without a GA section, their GA seating rather, like the sound just kind of evaporates and it didn't like keep the sound in very well. Um but on the other hand, because there was so much open space, you could, like, really walk around during the shows. Like, WWN Super Show, like, I was just kind of, like, drinking with my friends. You know, I watched some of it with y'all. I walked around. We saw Oren from Wrestling On Air. We saw Sarah from the Two Sarahs podcast. Like, I watched a little with Joe Lanza. So you can kind of, there's just like a lot of room to maneuver and hang we, out with your friends. We're only friends with people who have podcasts. Yeah, right. If you don't have a podcast or a blue check mark, you need to just get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Yes, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You're rolling with the winners, you know? <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, you can kind of just maneuver a lot, which was really cool. Um, which which was really great. It's like a really good place for like, and that's kind of what it is. Like when you go to these WWN shows, like you're kind of like living at these venues for a couple of days. If like we went, you know, we went to like five shows at this place over a three day span. So you're spending a lot of time there and it's nice that it's comfortable and laid back and you can walk around and like, you can really like spend time with people and 
for me, like that's one of the biggest draws of the whole weekend is like spending time with my friends. So I like that aspect of the venue. Um, but it definitely made it harder to like get as into the wrestling because like at the rest at the rev pro venue at the WrestleCon show venue, like there were just bleachers surrounding the entire area. And so it was like the noise got trapped in. There was nowhere really to walk around and like, like is it at WWN you could walk around and shoot the shit and still be able to see the ring at WrestleCon. Like everything's kind of boxed in and there's not as much room to just kind of like, you know, walk around and say what's up to people. So like that was a much hotter, like the crowd, the noise carried better at that venue. The lighting I think was a little better. Um, it was louder. It was a better place if you were like, oh, I really got to watch this wrestling and I'm here to watch this wrestling and, and be really into it. Um, whereas the WWN experience, I think, was like a lot more for like, if you're like, there's like 20 people I'm really looking forward to seeing this weekend. And like some, of, I don't have seats with some of them. So I kind of want to just kind of walk around and say hey to people. Yeah, they were. Well, what the, my favorite part of the WWN venue was that my hotel was next door. And so it took me like two minutes to walk back to my hotel, especially after the late shows. That was really nice to just go back over there. Um, and it was a lot nicer than the one last year. My biggest complaint is the lighting. Like part of the sound problem was just that people weren't as into the Evolve shows as they were into the other shows. You know? There's other ways to fix that that don't involve changing the building. Uh, but the lighting, it would be so easy. What, what WWN does is they have the four lighting trees with big white lights, and they just shine them at each other on the ring, which d- does the job. It lights up the ring. You can see it. Uh, what they're doing at WrestleCon, the same thing they did last year, and it's the same type of lighting they had at Ring of Honor, which we went to, is I don't know how to describe it because I'm not a lighting expert. But it's like uh, there are four rows of lights that, you know, that basically go parallel with the sides of the ring and they're held up by, you know, a little um, thing. I don't know. But anyway, you have the lighting surrounding the ring. You don't need as much. It doesn't have to be as strong. And they were not just using bright white lights. They were using some cools and some warms and some neutrals. I did take a lighting theory class in uh in college when I was studying theater. So I understand that a little, uh, which I wish Gabe would uh, consult with someone who understands lighting theory so that they could, so that when you're watching the match and you want to take a picture of your favorite wrestler, it's not completely blown out everywhere you look because you got a big white light shining at you. And if I watched Evolve 103 back on tape and there's times where I can't see Matt Riddle's face because He's standing right under the light and, you know, the light is completely washing out his face. So that's an issue. Um, but those were that's just like maybe that's a personal thing that just bothers me. I don't know that everybody really cares about that, uh, but it was cool that the Sugar Mill venue was smaller, like in space wise. Uh, it probably had as many or more seats at the Sugar Mill, but it was small enough that like AT was talking about, it felt it felt intimate and like you were really close to everyone as you were watching the matches. So I liked both. Um, but I do think the sugar mill is probably a better venue for watching wrestling. 
Yeah, and they also had more concessions. Like there was more places to buy booze, which is really important. Like if you're going to have a show like Joey Janela's Spring Break, you need more than one place selling alcohol and two That's people working the booth. You, the you merch- need to like you need like multiple lines for people to go on um so they don't miss two matches yeah trying to get a shot you can't run out of beer at Joey Janela's spring break again it's not good uh the merch setup was really weird at the WWN venue there were like some people over near the GA and then there were a bunch of people over in the big empty spot on the other side of the ring um Sugar Mill had it set up so that it was it was all outside, but it was all like under a little tent. Everybody was at tables, made it a little more sense. It was a little harder to get to because it was very compressed. So it was harder to get to the person's table. I ended up really just not looking at much of the merch at Sugar Mill because it was kind of tough to get in there. Um, anyway, that's probably a good enough breakdown of the two venues. Uh, and now we can. Well, I want to ask you this. I know we've been going on a lot. And we haven't even talked about the Evolve shows yet, but. What was your favorite show of the weekend? All shows. Joey Janela's Spring Break. Show of the weekend. Show of the year. We got a live Spider Nate Webb entrance. (laughs) I was, I'm totally, I'm just like hanging out. I've just done shots with the random, well, what happens with the guy? This guy, Guy, his name is Guy. And on Twitter, he was like, yo, like we should get shots. And I was, he saw we were, tw- I was tweeting and I was like, all right, cool. So we went online to get shots. We wait on this long ass line. This dude, Henry emerges from the bathroom and just starts <laughs> being our friend. Online to get shots. <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker. I'm from New York. I'm from Long Island. You're okay. not in a line. You're online. Okay, people, I just thought, I just thought you think so much about being online that, that you just accidentally said that. Yeah. The people who know, know. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. In any event. I was online with Guy and this dude Henry came up and Henry just like was chilling. He was talking to us. He was super cool. And then we got to the end of the line. He's like, hey, just I'm going to the bathroom, put everything on my card. So he bought us all drinks and then disappeared and we never saw him again. Shout out to Henry. So I'd taken these shots. I come back to our seats for the clusterfuck. And midway through the clusterfuck, we're seeing all these all our faves come out. You know, teenage dirtbag hits, and I just lose my shit. If you watch the VOD and Joey Janela's Spring Break, there's like one you can see like half of a dude in the bottom left corner jumping up and down, and like no one else really reacting right away. I'm the guy in the bottom left corner with the gray <laughs> and blue hoodie, just losing his shit. Like, because when I was a uh, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, like Spider Nate Webb had this cool entrance in IWA Mid South where he'd like climb on all the chairs to teenage dirtbag. And like I had the DVD and I always would like fantasize about like seeing this entrance live. Like how cool <laughs> would it be to see Spider Nate Webb come out to Teenage Dirtbag, climb on the chairs, like clap along to the beat like all the fans did. It just looked like the coolest, most fun thing. And and like he was in the news recently because he was down at the performance center. So I like watched some of his old entrances again. I'd been like listening to the song the past couple weeks, and then like it hit, and I'm just like yeah, I yelled. That's why I have a sore throat is because I yelled for the entirety of Teenage Dirtbag. Uh, so, yeah, that was great. The Walter PCO match was fucking nuts. The whole thing was just a, a great, like, love letter to, to pro wrestling and, and our dumb community. I, I, yeah, it was perfect. I think we had different fantasies as teenagers. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, what about matches? Give me your three favorite matches from the weekend. Ooh, okay, in no particular order, my three favorite matches are uh, Will Ospreay versus Matt Riddle from the WWN Super Show. I would say the clusterfuck. Ooh, the third one. This is tough. You just talked about PCO versus Walter. Would that make your top three? No. It's wow. gonna be it's gonna be one of the Kota Bushi matches we saw. Maybe the um mm, it's this is a tough choice. Everything was so good. We saw so much great wrestling. I think um probably the six man tag from the Rev Pro show with uh because you see great matches all the time, but this was great in a, in a unique way. It was, it was Kota Ibushi, uh, Shane Strickland, and... Flip Gordon. Flip Gordon, right. And everyone booed Flip every time he came yeah, in the ring. Cool. That was great. Flip Flip Gordon, Shane Strickland, and Kota Ibushi against Rocky Romero, Chucky e. T, and Will Ospreay. And it was built around like the Ospreay-Ibushi ta- hot tag that we all were dying to see. And there was a lot of like comedy and smart stuff where they built the things. And it was just like a, it was a masterclass and like, like watching Rocky and Chuck, like work the crowd was just like, it was just sort of a masterclass and like the live theater, you know, the live performance and crowd interaction aspect of pro wrestling that I love so much. And, and without so having those, to do much. Right. They didn't do much, but like everything they did got over. It was yes. great. It was great. Uh, my favorite show of the weekend was the WWN Super Show. And I'm just going from straight, what had, what did I think had was the best wrestling show? The Super Show was the best wrestling show. I probably had the best time at RevPro. Um, favorite matches, Matt Riddle and Will Ospreay, PCO and Walter, and uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. were probably my three favorite matches of the weekend. There was a moment where... Uh, during the Zach Ishii match, we decided we were just going to start a new podcast called Everything Revolves about Revolution Pro Wrestling. Uh, but then, of course, Zach also lost that title. So we were once again lost at sea looking for uh, something to guide us. So that's it. No, we still need to talk about the three WWN shows. Let's start. Evolve 102, Thursday, April 5th. Uh, Overall, what did you think about this show or this card, AT? I thought this was a really good show. I thought that uh, the Osprey or Fox match was really strong. I thought that the Sekimoto and, uh, you know, the Dream Tag Team match was was great. And nothing was bad except for the fact that Zack Sabre Jr. lost his championship. But this was the first this was the first full show I saw over the weekend and everything was good or great. Yeah, same. I had two matches at four or better. Uh, nothing below. Well, I had one match at two and a half, and that was the outlier. Everything else was really good. And two and a half is not a bad match, obviously. Uh, so it was a very good show. The first match, DJ Z defeated Austin Theory by pinfall with a sunset flip bomb and the ZDT. This broke DJ Z's four-match losing streak and Evolve. And uh, this is some great trivia from AT. It's his first win in the promotion since he beat Jimmy Jacobs at Evolve 7 back in April 2011. What did you think about how this got the show started, AT? This was a good little match, I thought. I think it's two, it was kind of everything we were expecting. Two sort of athletic, smooth guys having an athletic, smooth 
match. It didn't overstay its welcome. I thought Austin Theory worked with a nice amount of aggression. And I was sitting with Mike Spears, and he was just like, dude, DJZ is just so smooth. You know, and he is. And it was a really good match. It was a good good little opener. Nothing, nothing more to say than that, I think. What about you? Yeah, it was a good opener. I enjoyed it. I was very surprised that DJZ won. Uh, especially when we got to the post-match and Austin Theory, it's kind of what he did after he lost to Zach, right? Where he's like just kind of ignored the finish of the match and, and talked about how he's the future of the champion and uh, uh, the future of the promotion, rather. And then he challenged Keith Lee to a champion versus champion match at Evolve 103 live on Facebook. Love that he got that plug in. And uh I guess the first time this has really come up, he said that he was going to use Evolve as a stepping stone to the WWE. So what did you think about Austin Theory coming off a loss and challenging Keith Lee for the title? Well, I guess that's his character, right? That's what we're learning is he's like this sore loser. He's an arrogant piece of shit. And and he's entitled, right? Even when he loses, he feels he's the future of the company and that, you know, he deserves another chance. Um, so I'm cool with that. And I love the, I love him talking explicitly about evolve as a stepping stone to WWE. Like when you look at someone, um, who looks the way he does, who has his look and his athletic ability. Um, it's obvious that he's a guy who has his sights set on WWE. And if you're, you're, if it's your character is that you're, a, you're shitty and arrogant and entitled, like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's great heat. Like, I'm like, fuck you. I think it's, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great that he's talking about Evolve as a stepping stone to the WWE. And I'm kind of surprised that, like, we haven't seen that as much already from other heels in the company. Well, and it plays into what we talked about earlier, right, about writing off Zack Sabre Jr. Like, one day, Austin Theory is going to leave this promotion to go to WWE. And we already have a built-in kayfabe story. Uh, that also matches with reality, right? Like it just makes too much sense. Uh, so I'm glad that they went with that. Uh, yeah, I was like, okay, that's fine. Basically, when they announced it, except that I was like, oh crap, now we're gonna we weren't gonna be at the show the next night. And I was like, crap, we're gonna miss this championship match. But um, we'll get to that match later, of course. Uh, the next match they brought out Osprey pretty quickly. Will Osprey defeated Ar Fox uh, after hitting him with the Os Cutter. And uh, this was a really good match. And what would be the first of several excellent Will Ospreay matches on the weekend? Yeah, it's it's Will Ospreay and it's Kota Ibushi, who I think were the two sort of um, MVPs of this weekend um, from my perspective. And Will was just, Will was terrific all weekend long. He sold that neck in a way that like made, it was so uh, such a great confluence of like real life, you know, the reality and the kayfabe and, he sold that neck really well throughout every time I saw him and he didn't do too much of his sort of insane, like his over the top yelling, selling. It felt believable. This match had several sequences in it where you were like, Oh yeah, these are two super athletic dudes doing really super athletic stuff. Um, you know, a lot of like kind of crazy fast paced counter sequences with guys backflip into their feet and whatnot. Um, yeah, I thought it was really, really good. And, um, yeah, not like a great, great match, but like a really, really good match. Um, that was my opinion on the match. Sad to see Arafox lose though. 
Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I went four stars on this match. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, Osprey was selling the neck at the merch table throughout the weekend. I I, agree. I disagree with Joe here. I think the neck really is hurt. Like, I think the neck is hurt. Maybe I'm a mark, but I think he's really feel in some pain. Yeah, I don't know. And I kind of, like, don't care. No, of course not. It's great. Like, whatever it is, he's he's killing it. Like, he may – I believe it either way. And, um, and everything he did this weekend, and we'll especially talk about that in the Riddle match, that was some brilliant stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, everything he did this weekend was enhanced by the selling of the neck. And yeah, this was, this was really, really good. I, 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 I loved it. Well, the progress thing is what really sold me on him being actually hurt. Uh, they changed, he was supposed to have a singles match with Austin theory. They changed it to a mixed tag match. He came out and cut a promo. Like I really just kind of need to take it easy for one match. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of a ballsy thing to do if he's not actually uh, hurt, but I guess they're all hurting in, in different ways after working so much over the weekend. So next up was uh, the Evolve Tag Team Championship match. Uh, the End won a scramble against the Workhorsemen, Doom Patrol, and Tracy Williams and Dom Guarini. Perot got the pin on Anthony Henry following uh, a move called Hell on Earth that is much like a doomsday device. Uh, importantly, because the End pin Anthony Henry, the titles did not change hands. Um, this was probably the worst match on the show. It wasn't bad. It was just, I don't know. There was a lot going on and it was hard for me to get into it. Yeah. I thought it was, it was decent. Yeah. I it, thought was it was a totally yeah. solid match. Yeah. And we got a little storyline, uh, development with, uh, you know, Stokely telling Dom to lay down for Chris Dickinson and Tracy Williams breaking up. Yeah. So Stokely was like, Tom, you got to lay down. We'll let Trace, like let Chris Dickinson and Jocka win, and then Tracy Williams broke up the pinfall. He kicked Dickinson. He slapped Dom. So uh, s- some food for thought for later in our review. Now you um, wrote here that Stokely came out with Doom Patrol and not Tracy and Dom, but my recollection was that he came out with one and then ran to the back and came out with the other team. Also, that might be true. Maybe I was reading too much into it. Yeah. Well, um, I remember thinking as it was happening, like, oh. Stokely's only only coming out with one team, but then I I think he ran back and came out with both. Gotcha. Cool. Um, but yeah, I thought this was like pretty solid. I hated the idea that I, and then it played out in real life of like, it's stupid that the championships could only change hands if Doom Patrol were pinned in the sense that like, there was one moment where like Jocka broke up a, a, a choke that Dom had on someone else. And it's like, if you were willing to win the match by like someone else laying down and you pinning them, why wouldn't you be willing to lose the match and retain your titles? Why would you break up a pin? Um, That's fair. Because I was going to say, yeah. well, you know, these are guys that just want to, you know, they want to be the ones to win. But then you say, yeah, the whole I thing. Mean, with- I get, yeah, it's like, seems like a pretty small like difference. I don't know. It was just. Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I thought it was, I thought it was all right. I don't, I didn't think it was bad by any means. And. Yeah, it was it was decent. Yeah, totally fine. After the match, James Drake laid out the end uh, with a chair. So, you know, there's going to be some more matches between these two or between these uh, teams, several teams, later on in the weekend. So uh, had to let that keep going. Uh, the next match was uh, the Keith Lee-Darby Allen match. Keith Lee ultimately wins 
uh, by pinfall with the ground zero. This was basically what I wanted out of this match. A lot of Keith Lee beating the crap out of Darby and Darby coming up short. I thought this was uh, very good. It was everything it needed to be. Yeah. Good little match. Darby was competitive, but not too competitive. Um, like, you never got the sense that Darby was going to win, but he fought back. He showed some heart. Yeah, it was a good match. It turned out to be a real bummer because Darby got hurt the next day at uh, Progress and was unable to have the match with Walter, which I thought would kind of continue to tell the story a little bit. So we don't really know how that would have ended up. But after this match, uh, Keith Lee got on the mic and accepted Austin Theory's challenge. Uh, We get Darby asking Keith Lee to continue kicking his ass. And Keith Lee grabs him by the throat like he's going to do that, uh, but decides to let him go. Around that time, Candy Cartwright comes out uh, to distract everyone. And then Jarek, our old pal Jarek, magically appears and attacks Darby from behind. We get a Jarek promo where he says he's going to take Darby's spot. Of course, Jarek isn't booked on any of these shows this weekend. Uh, we were told in the in the alerts that he was going to get some mic time, and that was it. So he says he's not going to make, use magic to make people disappear. He's just going to eliminate everyone who took his spot. And at that time, Darby tosses Jarek's mask into the crowd. This developed into a much more interesting plot point because later in the show, Jarek came out into the crowd, uh, not as part of the show, and uh, came up and asked us and our group of friends if we'd seen his mask because <laughs> Darby threw it out in the ring and he, or out in the crowd and he literally couldn't find it. I took a, um, I took a selfie with Jarek and he... Uh, good sport that he is. Once he realized I was taking his picture, he posed for the picture. And so I had a great Jarek uh, selfie to post on Twitter, which I appreciated. But that wouldn't be the last time that our little group of friends saw Jarek that night. Uh, now, I wasn't there. I'd gone on to bed. But, uh, AT, I understand you had a little run-in with Jarek. Yeah, we had a run-in with Jarek, who is our friend and who is good now. Um, we were hanging out outside of the venue. They're so just, easily co-optable. <laughs> no, I mean, it's still like a, I don't know. It's still like not a great wrestling act. But in any event, it was fun. And it made me like like him as a person, even if his YouTube videos make him seem like he's totally insane. But we were all just standing outside. And Jarek comes up with like a fancy camera. And he's like, hey, would you mind like shooting something for me? And like my and so, who was it who met? I think it was our friend Ep, Ep, Epedit, whatever Epidesis. Epidesis, Nate. Nate took the camera. He's in his screen name, so it's fine. Nate wow. took a. Wow, we're unmasking people on everything. Oh, it's like his name. All of his display names are like Nate these days. So I feel <laughs> it's a lot easier to say Nate than whatever the fuck. Wasn't so in me, any Epi. event, what wasn't me, Epi? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Nate. Nate, I think, man, the camera. And Jarek just starts doing fucking magic right before our very eyes. He just starts asking us, like, hey, like, um, queen or a diamond? Or no, it's like, it's like heart or a diamond. And then, like, everyone has to be, like, or, like, you know, pick a number between, like, 5 and 11. He's just, like, going around. And it's, like, me, um, the, the guy, the main person, part of the trip is our friend Mike Spears. Um, it was, like, Kath Barbadaro from WrestleSplania was there. And she had to like pick a thing and like our whole group of friends was just like picking out like numbers. I was like, I had to pick a thing. And then in the end, like Jarek 
pulled the card, the only card it could be. It was like, it has to be like the nine of diamonds or whatever it was. And it's going to be the one facing down in my deck. And then it was, and then he like did a promo, a short promo about how like looking at the camera, he was like, see you, or like maybe he was talking to us. I don't remember if he was looking at the camera or not, but he was like, you know, you thought you had a choice, right? It seems like you're making decisions, but like really it's not. Um, so yeah, magic is a shoot. Uh, look for me <laughs> on the fantastic Disturbed Reality YouTube channel. Um, yeah, what a what a fucking moment to just see Jarek do some live street magic. It was just like, this is great. What a vacation. Yeah, it had know. a it had a real big impact on AT, who uh, I learned the next day is now a pickup artist. And uh, he spent the rest of the weekend basically using all of uh, Jarek's uh, PUA tricks. So I don't know how successful that was, but uh, he's definitely bought in. He's all in. I read a lot of palms in New Orleans this past weekend. <laughs> he did. I can't confirm that. Uh, the next match on the show, Ring Kampf, our old friends Walter and Tim Thatcher, defeated Daisuke Sakamoto and Munin Orisawa when Walter tapped out Sawa with a choke. Uh, it's still a little hard for me to believe that I watched Daisuke Sekimoto live and in person. Uh, very exciting for me. And this match was exactly what I wanted out of the match. Uh, a lot of everybody just knocking the crap out of each other. A lot of big chops. A lot of uh, suplexes. And Munonorosawa must be a Everything Evolves listener. Because immediately in this match, he showed me that I was completely wrong about what he was going to be on this weekend. And he started just being a uh, an ass kicker from uh, from the word go. Yeah, this whole thing was great. They gave us what the people wanted and all of the sort of big Sekimoto Walter exchanges and all the chops and slaps. Sawa was great. I think both Sekimoto and Sawa have a ton of charisma. I, I loved Sawa's like fast rapid fire slaps. I loved his sort of like, he just seemed like he was having a lot of fun out there. Um, and Sekimoto was great seeing him live. Like he's, he's, a, he's a beast, but also you can tell he's just like in his facial expressions, He's just like a huge ham, you know, he, those facial expressions are so funny. And like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I thought this was great. I thought that, yeah, everything was good and fast paced. Walter was such an ass kicker in this match. Walter was so dominant. Um, yeah, it was vicious and, and it built well and yeah, everything you could ask for. It was, it was the, the dream match it promised to be. Yeah, Walter was – I think Walter was one of the stars of the weekend. Uh, he was – Absolutely. He was brutal in every match. He's like – I think he and AJ Styles are now like the two people who uh, I enjoy their wrestling the most despite completely disliking who they seem to be in real life. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, I, I used to feel that way about AJ Styles, but uh, then Sunday night happened, and now sure. I don't even like his wrestling anymore. Sure. Well <laughs> – I'm not going to throw in the towel yet. Um, yeah. But Walter was great. I just, like, I chanted about how he's a cop every time he came out and then also loved his match. Uh, I've come up with a way to sing Walter's a cop to his theme song, also our theme song. And I would encourage everyone else to uh, adopt that the next time you see Walter wrestle live. After the match, Stokely called out Tim Thatcher. Uh, we got Darby out. He called out Walter. Uh, we got a nice little 
handshake and pose for everybody. Uh, going back to Stokely, he invited Thatcher to quit for tomorrow's match against Doom Patrol. And uh, when we got Darby out, he said that he wanted to fight Walter right now. And instead of fighting him, Walter just kind of threw him out of the ring. Darby came back in and, and took a big power bomb from Walter. So, you know, trying to set up the match that was supposed to happen the next day at Evolve 103. So match was great. Post-match was cool. Uh, I was fired up going into the main event, the Evolve Championship match, in which, as we've already told you, Matt Riddle won the Evolve Championship by defeating Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, with the bro mission. AT, I, don't know, I guess we've already talked about this a lot, you know, everything else around it. What did you think of the match? I thought it was good, but not great. I, I picked up towards the end, but it felt very methodical. You know, I think Zach was like, uh, you know, was wrapping him up a lot, you know, with his submission holds. He seemed like he was ahead for most of the match and in control, but it just didn't feel like it never really hit that next gear. You know, it picked up a bit towards the end when they were sort of, you know, going for the PKs and missing the PKs and going for the the European clutch. But it didn't really get to that level um, of a great match. And it just felt like kind of it didn't feel like there was a lot of story or a lot of emotion. There wasn't a lot of heat in this match. And I think that speaks to the fact that, well, like, I think. There was a pop for Riddle's title win and people were happy that he won. I think that they didn't really make you clamor for this title change. I think the lack of heat throughout the match spoke to the fact that people were not super invested in the winner from the start. I think that, you know, there wasn't, you know, a really long... I mean, there was a long Riddle Evolve change title chase in like the grand scheme going back to his Thatcher chase but it wasn't like he'd spent the last six months declaring his intention to win this championship right especially since he won the WWN title during that time he won the WWN title last year and held it through what June no he definitely had it through June he maybe had it until like October or November right um and so, yeah, so it wasn't like he was really like, this wasn't built, this match, this title change, would the match would have been better if there were more heat in the in the arena. And there would have been more heat in the arena, I think, if they had built it in, in a way that sort of made people clamoring for this champ, for this match or, or, or a title change. Um, it didn't really feel like there was, that much of a story of the match other than it was just like the two guys we all like having a match for the championship. I disagree on that point. I could be wrong, but the story that I picked up on picked up on in the match was that Zach was pretty well dominating at the beginning and that the story was Riddle figuring out how to counter Zach's submissions how to get the advantage back when Zach locked him in a hold. And I thought that paid off in the end by Riddle ultimately submitting Zach. Uh, Unfortunately, that's, to me at least, that's not a very compelling story because even though I know Riddle was in UFC and all that stuff, I just don't view him as a terribly great submission wrestler. He is, at this point, he's basically like a suplex and strike guy. 
so I just found, I don't know. It's not that I didn't buy into it. Basically. I was like, eh, I see what you're trying to do, but I don't really care for this story. It's not believable enough to me to really uh, enjoy it. Yeah, I guess I can see that story. Maybe I missed it. Um, and also because like the way the bro mission mission works and the way the finish was, which Zach was going for a submission that the move that he beat him with in the the last match that they had last year and, and they were on commentary. Lenny Leonard was like sort of pointing out like, oh, this is what he beat him with last time. And Riddle reverses it and just sort of locks on the bro mission and wins like immediately, which was kind of the reverse of the last match, which is Riddle had the bro mission on and then Zach locked in his submission and won immediately. And so it fell a little bit, the finish felt a little bit flat, probably by designs, like it was supposed to surprise you, but you didn't get that sort of immediate big pop and it didn't feel like it was sort of like the blow off to the action that had happened previously. It was kind of like, oh, we reversed it. Oh, it's over. And, and, and you know, and it felt like it took the crowd a, a beat to even respond because, it, you know, it, it, it sort of caught them by surprise. Yeah, the rest of the weekend kind of makes me think that's what and you mentioned this earlier. That's what they're going for. Like Riddle can tap you out or end the match at any moment. And while that may work long term, it did play against uh, the reaction in the building for sure. Uh, if you are a Voices of Wrestling uh, Patreon subscriber, you can check out mine and Aaron's immediate reactions to the match <laughs> on the uh, lens feature. I have no idea how long those stay up, but if they're still up, you can check them out. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. You got you more oh, I was just gonna say I have to go. I have to go to the bathroom, and uh, I want to know if you wanted to vamp or just like kind of pause the podcast. I can um, vamp. I'll vamp and get started sorry. talking about Evolve One Hundred Three in a second. Yeah, don't say anything mean about me. Um, I would never do that. All right, thanks, okay. Aaron. <laughs> so after the match, uh, Zack Saber Junior. continued the Evolve tradition of handing the new champion the belt. Uh, which was very nice and, of course, uh, very classy because Zach is a classy man. He offered Riddle a handshake, and this was kind of fun because Riddle declined the handshake, and you're like, oh, what's he going to do here? But instead, it was just because he wanted to uh, give Zach a fist bump instead, which was fine. Uh, Riddle got on the mic. He said he's been chasing the belt for a couple of years. Thanks to crowd, starts a bro chant. You know, it's your normal Matt Riddle promo. Um, I don't know. We talked about it a lot. We talked about it a lot on the the preview show coming in. Just didn't care for the idea of Riddle winning. But when you're looking around the crowd, listening to the crowd, this guy's super over. Uh, the fans of this promotion, other than uh, Aaron and me, apparently, really love this guy. So uh, if he's the big star, then it makes sense for him to be the main champion. So we'll move on to Evolve 103, which happened Friday, April 6th at 4 p.m. Central Time. Now, Aaron and I did not make it to this show. Uh, we skipped this show and went to Rev Pro instead. And I watched this back on tape once we got back. I have to say, I'm glad we skipped this one. There was lots of good stuff throughout the card. Uh, nothing bad at all, but nothing great. Nothing really, well, I'm not going to say nothing bad. We'll talk in a second about that. But nothing great on this card. Um it's kind of what we talked about on the flagship preview of like, this just seemed like a, a cool card for a Friday afternoon, but not if you're in new Orleans and there's a card running up against it that has Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay and uh, Minoru Suzuki and Ishii, and all the other guys who were on rev pro. So 
this was a cool little card. If it had been a normal Evolve card, you know, just like, oh, here's uh, the Evolve 92 for the weekend, then it probably would have been a lot of fun or it would have been fine. But uh, based on what we ended up seeing at RevPro, I was glad that uh, that we skipped this one after giving it a watch. AT, when you watched this one back, what was your your overall kind of thought on this show? Well, I caught the end of what you were saying, and I, I agree. We made the right cho- choice going to RevPro. This was like a good show. It felt like I feel like there were a lot of matches that in my notes, I was just like, this was short but good. You know, it felt like nothing was really bad on it. Everything was like pretty solid. There was nothing that I think was like a total blow away um, match. But yeah, I thought I thought it was a good show. Everything was good. It was a, it was an easy watch is the best way to describe the show, I think. Yeah, that's for sure. It was just over two hours, which when I loaded up, I was very excited about so that I would be able to uh, get through it. Uh, there were a lot of card changes, though. Travis Banks and Darby Allen were injured at the Progress Show on Friday and unable to compete on this card. Mark Haskins replaced Travis Banks uh, in the match against Chris Dickinson. And Tracy Williams replaced Darby Allen in the match against Walter. Since um, one of them, since Tracy Williams was, of course, already going to be on the card, Chris Brooks also came in for the four-way match that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, the show started after uh, Lenny Leonard announced those card changes with Jarek coming out. He claimed responsibility for Darby's injury, you know, after uh, their issue the day before. It says that since he hurt Darby, he should get to take his spot on the show. Uh, unfortunately for him, Lenny Leonard informed him that's not how it works. And Jarek said that, well, fine, he'll just keep eliminating people above them until he takes their spot. Now, I thought this was interesting. I load up the show. We know that Austin Theory has challenged a WWN champion, Keith Lee, and they're going to have a title for title match, the FIP belt up against the WWN belt. And here it comes out as the first match on the card. Well, I guess Austin Theory told us that because he said it was going to be live on Facebook, but I'd forgotten that already, okay? So I was surprised to see that first. And it kind of sucked because this crowd really was not good. It was very small compared to the other car- other crowds and uh, pretty quiet. So it was like, yikes, uh, going into this. Uh, but Austin Theory, of course, wins, pins Keith Lee after a ref bump a low blow, and Theory KO. First, what did you think about the match, AT? I thought it was good. It's forget. It's a very forgettable match, I thought. But I, I thought, like, Austin Theory, I liked Austin Theory, like, mouthing along to his entrance with Timothy Barr, you know, to the announcement, and he looked mean and shitty. And, yeah, it felt like not a... It didn't feel like an epic match or, like, a big deal kind of, you know, it wasn't worked like it was supposed to be this big barn burner of a match where theory wins the title. It was, it was all right. It was solid. It wasn't bad. You didn't like it though. The match was fine. The booking sucks. Everything about the booking sucks. So we get Austin theory who loses and then gets to go up a spot and challenge for a title. And not only that, he wins the match. The guy's the new champion after losing the night before. And yes, you can say, yeah, but he won by cheating. To me, that's even dumber. Like, do we really... I know what Theory's character is. 
But do we really want to t- take this guy to the next spot on the card with this type of finish? Like, shouldn't he be able to beat the guy to actually elevate him? This doesn't do anything for him. I don't think. You think yeah. he gains anything by winning this match in that way? I don't know. In the sense that, like, I guess he does gain. Like, if you're trying to get people to dislike him, him winning by cheating is maybe a good way to do that. And I get what I get. I see that they they had DJZ beat him the night before, that so they had an already established title challenger for him. Right? That it's clear that 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 loss sure. was intended to set up the DJZ challenge somewhere down the road. Um, so I don't have like, I'm not offended by the booking. It's not especially compelling booking. There's other booking that I felt was worse. Um, but I don't know. I'm not as like, it makes sense in kayfabe, right? He's this arrogant piece of shit. And Keith Lee was willing to let him get the title shot, even though he hadn't earned it. Um, you know, that's just like new Japan style. Like whoever asks for the match gets it. Uh, you do, you, I guess, generally would like someone coming off a win, but if the story they're telling with Austin Theory is that he's, you know, a dickhead who cheats and gets lucky to win, uh, you know, he's talented, but he's not quite there yet, I, I guess that's fine. Cause yeah, like, but he shouldn't be able to beat the champion. By cheating? Like, what if he, the, the story is he's really good at Lolo. cheating? Give me a break. Keith Lee gets hit once in the nuts and he's just like completely out of it. It's just over. That's fair, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. And then to top it off, Keith Lee gets a thank you, Keith chant. Of all people. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah. It doesn't make either of them look much. It doesn't really. You're right in the sense that it doesn't make either of them look stronger. You know, they both look dumb, actually. They both look stupid coming out of this, I think. I will say this for Austin Theory. I was really worried about him without Priscilla Kelly, but he did a great job character-wise this weekend. Yeah, he was a schmuck. Yeah, he was very good. Okay, uh, next, I really want AT to eat some crow, and I want him to eat it big time. Timothy Thatcher defeats Dom Guarini with a butterfly, butterfly suplex after a completely uh, unremarkable match. Go ahead, AT. I thought this was solid. I didn't see anything wrong with this match. I, 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 believe, you, I believe you told me it was going to be a three-and-a-half-star match. You did I that? say that? Did I say three-and-a-half? Yes, you uh, did. I never do star <laughs> I would say this was like a three-star match. Oh. This was chill and good. I like watching Dom grapple, and I like Tim. Yeah, I thought this – my, my notes say short but good while it lasted. And then my initial note said, this is good get, uh, good grappling. Like, it's very, you know, I like that jujitsu style stuff where, like, the guy's on his back and he's rotating on his back to prevent people from, like, diving in past the guard. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was short, though. It wasn't, like, a great match. But it was, like, a lot of these matches on the show, it was, like, it was chill. I had it at two stars. So I guess we were both right in the sense that it wasn't a great match, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, two is about the lowest I'll go with like two competent professional wrestlers. Uh, who no, don't but I meant, I meant like my correct opinion, not your bad opinion about the match. No, no, your opinion sucked as much as when you predicted that uh, 
that Zach would maintain the title. I mean, Ooh. a lot of wrong coming from you on this wow. preview show. I'd rather, you know, <laughs> go out in a blaze of glory. You know, I'd rather <laughs> Zach's title reign end with me, you know, standing on my feet than, you know, just on my knees, you know. <laughs> like, you know, what does it no, say about no, you that no. you didn't believe in him, you know? As I said, what I really believed was that uh, Gabe was going to stick it to us and make us watch Zach lose the title, and he did. Yeah. A lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of passive-aggressive power moves by Gabe Sapolsky. <laughs> I don't think there's any yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the next match. Uh, okay, but then this doesn't make sense. All right. A.R. Fox wins the four-way freestyle against Jason Kincaid, DJZ, and Chris Brooks after he hits Chris Brooks with the fox catcher, Fisherman Buster. Okay, if DJZ is set up now to challenge Austin Theory, why not have him win this match? If he's going to, if he can run into a title shot. Maybe they I know A.R. Lost- Fox lost the night before, but he lost to Osprey. And this is a four-way. Maybe they just wanted DJZ to. Maybe they wanted to spread the wins around because uh, DJZ was winning the next night. It was getting the fall in the big tag match. Yes, but like I don't know. Yeah, no, right. There was no reason that if they were building him to a big title match, they couldn't have had him right. pinning Chris Brooks or Jason Kincaid. Right. You know, wins that really. You know, if he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been pinning Ar Fox. Right. I guess I just come out of this weekend not knowing where anyone stands. The, the hierarchy is is over. We've just compressed everybody. There's Matt Riddle. I don't know where Keith Lee stands anymore. And then there's everybody else. So, I don't know. It makes me... It's, it doesn't feel like a reset, and that's fine if you, know, you want to build up to your big WrestleMania card and then you reset. This doesn't feel like that. It just feels like a muddling of everything. Yeah. Well, there are some people who are in that next level. Like I would say Walter and Timothy Thatcher are in that next level as, as are, you know, Dickinson and Jaka. But I, I hear you. Okay. Well, thank you for hearing me out on that. Before this match started, Jarek tried to attack Jason Kincaid, continuing his story of attacking everyone above him, but Kincaid fought him off. Which that's like I'm seeing this after we saw everything else, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of sad, actually, <laughs> that he couldn't take out uh, Kincaid." Uh, unfortunately, and probably the this might have been the worst decision made by any single individual this weekend. The referee ejected the skulk before the match started. The best part of every AR Fox match, as good as I as AR Fox is, he got rid of the best part. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they had somewhere else to be. Maybe I, I have. Oh no! Well, they were there. They just ejected them. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, I, well, maybe he still won. Like, this is going to be a short match, so we don't need any skulking yeah. around over here. Well, he still won, so maybe that's supposed to tell us something. That yeah, Ar Fox can well, win with fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he did yeah. pin the Calamari Catch King. <laughs> I feel at uh, starting to fade. <laughs> no, I'm not fade. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay, okay. I got Uh, some fire takes coming up. Okay. The only thing I'll say about this match is watching it when I did, after I got back, and after watching TakeOver and Mania, it was really hard to enjoy this. And I noticed that as the weekend continued on, like just these kind of car crash matches, 
were really hard to appreciate unless you did something crazy. I mean, I was so desensitized to most stuff that goes on in a normal pro wrestling match that uh, it was hard to hard to get me going by the end of the weekend. Yeah, I hear that. Thanks again. Yeah. This has been a very validating episode. I appreciate yeah. that. I'm the son of a therapist. <laughs> Chris Dickinson defeated Mark Haskins by submission uh, with an Indian death lock. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. Like, it lost me a little bit, but I think that was my fault, just of having watched so much wrestling. But, like, Dickinson is so great on offense. I love his chatter. Like, he's saying stuff to the other guy. He just comes across as real in the ring. Like, he's kicking people's asses. And uh, it's funny, the the journey that I've taken with Chris Dickinson while we've been doing this podcast, or, and while I've been watching Evolve, it's just like, this now is one of my favorite guys in wrestling. Um He's very good. Yeah, I I quite like this too. I thought there was good intensity. I like Mark Haskins too. Every time he does that like roll through where he like cartwheels and picks the guy up on his shoulders, I that always pops me. And uh, yeah, this was really good. It was it was like a good struggle at the beginning. Felt like there was a lot of intensity. I like I like Dickinson stomping on Mark and stuff. And I, I really enjoyed the chatter that I enjoyed the best was when. Uh, he slammed uh, Dickinson slammed Haskins' head on the stairs, and a fan was like, "Come on, you can do better than that." And then Dickinson, who's like walking walking around outside, says like almost to himself, but he's like, "Yeah, I bet I can." And like, <laughs> and then he's like starts beating him up more. Uh, so I, that really made me laugh because it just felt like very like he just was like very in character, almost. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I, that popped me, and yeah, this was a good match, and the crowd started getting into it in the end, and you know there was a couple good near falls, and yeah, this is a, this is a really this is a fun match. I, I wish there had been like there are a couple of matches on the show where I was like, I wish that it, this had just had like a little more. T- yeah, there were a lot of matches over the course of this weekend where you're like, I appreciate them keeping things short because of how tired everyone was, but you're like, eh, this could have gone a couple more minutes, but. But no, I thought this was this was a very good, solid, wholesome match, you know. And the next match, Walter defeated Tracy Williams by submission with a choke. Um, I was as I was watching this, and I was fading. I was worried when Tracy came out because everybody knows I'm not Tracy's biggest fan. But this was really good. This reminded me of some other match. Tracy is like a, a Tracy Williams Keith Lee match that they had. Uh, not too long ago, like Tracy's good in these matches with a really big guy trying to beat him down. And uh, I like, I like this quite a bit. Yeah, this was, I didn't like it as much as the match before it, but I, I thought this was like a fun short match. Um, you know, Walter whooped his ass and yeah. it was good and compelling. And um, yeah, Walter really beat him up. <laughs> It was it was good. I felt bad for Tracy. Like, oh, I thought I was going to be in this four way. Now I've got to take these Walter chops for ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, he looked very pained on his way out, and I it may have, it may have been selling. It may have just been the real pain, but I think it was selling. It was good. Tracy did good here. Tracy did good this weekend. I think. Yes, I think I agree with that. It yeah. was a good weekend for Tracy. Now the next match really. I felt about it the way you've been, uh, what you've been saying about it. It was just kind of too short that I wanted to see more of it. Uh, Munonor Asawa defeated Jaka with an octopus hold. 
This was so much fun. But I felt like it was just getting going when they got to the finish. And uh, so that was a bummer for me because I was really starting to enjoy this little like Sawa's being a dickhead and then smacking Jaka around. Jaka's bringing it right back to him. And uh, this match just reminded me again like how good Jaka is as a singles wrestler. Like, yes, he had good matches with Zack Sabre Jr. Everybody does. But he's really good on his own. And uh, he was completely did not seem out of place with Munenor Sawa in this match at all. Yeah, all three of these matches in a row just felt like good, fun, high energy little singles matches. And uh, yeah, sure. this was this was a good time. I loved there. There were a lot of really good slaps in this match, and it didn't occur to me in the beginning. But I was like, oh yeah, these are two guys who do a lot of fast slaps, and I like those. So shout out to the slaps. I like how Jaka tried to do the even faster slaps, like to yeah. match Sawa's. Yeah, that <laughs> was very enjoyable. It was a fun match. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, after the match, uh, we get the end out. They started beating down on Jaka. Chris Dickinson comes out to defend Jaka, but the end gets the, up, the upper hand on him. You know, this keeps going on. Garini comes out, but the end gets the upper hand. And then uh, this was a really funny bit with Stokely kind of getting cornered uh, by the end, and he doesn't know where to go. And uh, Stokely, of course, is just a great performer, and he really knocked it out of the park uh, with this little bit again. Uh, But then Tracy Williams runs out, interestingly, and pushes Stokely out of harm's way. Uh, I thought thought it was going to be really cool that, like, Tracy was going to take a beating for Stokely. But instead, it was just enough for uh, Catchpoint to get back in the ring and uh, clear everybody out. So uh, this was a good little thing. We're still building toward... Uh, you know, everything that's going on with all of these teams that we're going to have a, another little interaction um, at the WWN Super Show. And this card ended the main event uh, for the Evolve Championship. Matt Riddle defeated Daisuke Sekimoto with a uh, hammer fist ref stoppage. Uh, this was the one before the match where Riddle said that all future Evolve title matches were going to be no rope break. I thought it was fun that. Lenny Leonard uh, commented, yeah, it may only be one match, you know, like <laughs> reminding him that uh, perhaps you don't say at the beginning that there's going to be several more title matches when you're defending the title. Um, but what did you, I-, I was worried about this match. What did you think about it? I thought it was very good. Um, I don't know that I liked it as much as either of the other Sekimoto matches on this weekend, but those other two matches I thought were great. Yeah, I liked it. I thought that, um yeah, it was just big dudes being big dudes. It was it was big boy season. And um yeah, I liked uh yeah, it just felt like I loved like Riddle the gnar the Riddle put him in like a gnarly submission in the ropes that looked great and you're like, Oh yeah, no rope breaks, this is cool. Um and yeah, I thought I thought this match was most important really for showing sort of some of that more, a little more of that edge we've been looking for. Not quite as much as we saw in the Osprey match, but definitely like the finish was that sort of sudden, brutal finish with the hammer fist. We'd seen him do it a couple times, but here it felt like more out of nowhere, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Good match. Yeah, I liked uh, Sakamoto takes off the boots at the beginning to match, you know, Riddle not having boots on. It, it seemed to, like, truly pop Riddle, that he wasn't expecting it, and he thought it was funny. And so that was great. Uh, Sakamoto did a little spot 
as if he were a sumo wrestler, which was very funny and I enjoyed. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was, I was really worried this would play to all the things that I dislike about riddle matches. I thought he would do the big, you know, no sell German suplex spot and uh, a lot of hulking up and that. Uh, of course, Sakamoto was the only one, as I recall, who did the, the hulking up spot. And it did seem more, it did seem like a more focused Matt Riddle. He didn't seem to be goofing around very much in this match. And I liked this more than I anticipated I would. Uh, Sekimoto is just so good. I loved early on Sekimoto grabs the rope to uh, break up a pin, but the ref keeps counting. And I'm not sure if I'm not sure if it was on purpose or if Sekimoto was really like, oh crap, I actually have to kick out of this instead of grabbing the rope. Uh, I assume it was planned, but they did it so well that I, I could buy that it was either one. And uh, that spot you talked about where he had the triangle and the ropes, Sekimoto, his selling is so great. I mean, just his face in that triangle choke was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. And then he threw some nasty knees to break up the triangle. I don't know if it was just the camera angle, but it looked like he kneed the shit out of him in the head. And it was amazing. And uh, I guess my biggest criticism, uh, I get what they're trying to do, but it's just laughable to me that Riddle could uh, knock out a second moto in that way. And so I didn't really care for the finish. Yeah, I I also enjoyed that rope break spot, and um, it's kind of funny to me that you're like this actual UFC fighter couldn't like beat a, <laughs> a fake pro wrestler. He's the uh, biggest muscle it. monster. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm sorry, I'm a Mark. <laughs> I but just yeah. love Daisuke Sakamoto. I'm sorry. That's very has a very expressive face. He does. Uh, were you more impressed with Sakamoto than you expected? Well, I I just knew that people really liked him. I didn't, and I saw the one match with him, so I was I, he fulfilled the high expectations that people said. I, I really enjoyed watching him over the weekend. Good, I'm glad to hear that. All right, we just have one more show. It's the WWN Super Show, uh, Friday night, April the sixth. And I already said it. I thought this was the show of the weekend. What were your thoughts overall on this show, At? I thought it was a great show. I I don't know that I liked it as much as either the Rev Pro show we went to or the Janela show. But I thought it was really, really good. It beat the shit out of Ring of Honor. It was a better wrestling show than Janela. And probably a little more like meat to it than Rev Pro was like more fun. I don't know. Those were two those were kind of my two like actual shows of the weekend, I guess, that we went to. I don't know. But yeah, it was a really good show. Everything was good. There are a couple st- real standout matches. Um yeah, there were like three or four like really like very good to great matches on the show. So yeah, I thought I thought it was really really good. I was like very drunk at it, and so I, it was good to like watch it over again and actually like critique it. And it, yeah, it it held up. Yeah, I thought it had three three great to excellent matches, including one match of the year candidate that will probably yeah probably end up. I'd be surprised if it doesn't end up on my top ten list at the end of the year. So it's hard to ask for much more than that. Uh, the biggest news of the show was that Joanna Rose returned uh, to ring announcing duties. Interestingly, she was at Evolve 102, presumably at Evolve 103, but did not perform as the ring announcer. So I really don't have any clue of why she was there for those shows and why she only announced this show or why they flew her in to announce one show. I, I don't know. I don't have the inside scoop on that. But I was happy to see her. Uh, and speaking of like the... Uh, other parts of the show. Uh, 
this might be bizarre, but I want to put over the timekeeper. She's really great. Uh, she clapped along with the crowd a lot. So at some point caught my eye. I was checking out what she was doing and she was, she sells all the offense, which is great. And anytime it looks like there might be a finish, she grabs the, uh, what's the thing called that you hit to ring the bell with? She grabs that. And, a hammer. Uh, yeah. Hammer. That makes sense. And, uh, She's like ready to ring it, like at any at any moment. She did so well, Aaron. She got herself booked on the Ring of Honor show, being the timekeeper, which I was pretty impressed with. So shouts to her. I don't know her name. I apologize, but uh, I think she is a uh, a very good performer. Yeah, shout out to the timekeeper. <laughs> this match, this show started with a really good match. Uh, Ar Fox, DJZ, and Trey Miguel defeated Austin Theory, Travis Banks, and Zachary Wentz. Uh, when DJZ pinned Wentz with a 450 splash. Um, I had this at three and three quarters, so just below like a uh, a great match. But I saw a lot of people put it over on Twitter as one of their favorite matches of the weekend. So I, I, I thought it was good. What about you? Yeah, it was fun. It was everything you'd want it to be. It was fast and furious with a lot of flips. Um, it felt like there were so many people in the match that I didn't really get to evaluate some of the new guys. Like there was no one person who really stood out from this to me, but it was like a fun mashup of all these guys and their moves. Yeah. Uh, my understanding is Trey Miguel will be coming back to evolve. Uh, I'm not sure about Zachary Wentz. I haven't heard one way or the other on that, uh, but I do understand Trey Miguel is going to be back. After the match, DJ Z got in theory's face and kind of suggested that he wants a WWN title shot. So yes, I assume we'll see those, see that match on the next shows. Jarek attacked Jason Kincaid uh, again. Jason came out. Jarek appeared from behind and attacked him, handcuffed him to the guardrail. This was right in front of where I was sitting at the time, and uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, Jarek choked him with a uh, chain across his mouth, Kincaid screaming. Um, <laughs> I didn't know this. Uh, apparently, according to Aaron's notes, Jarek pulled a quarter out of Brandon Tully's ear on the way to the back. Yeah, he did that. Did you catch that live or on tape? On tape, yeah. <laughs> I missed that completely. So Jarek finally gets over on Kincaid after failing uh, at the earlier show. Uh, Our next match saw what apparently is going to be Zack Sabre Jr.'s last match in Evolve as he defeated Munanor Asawa via submission with the orienteering with Napalm Death. Uh, My biggest reaction to this is, boy, was I wrong about what this match was going to look like, what Sawa was going to be. This ruled. Sawa was great. They were basically just huge dickheads to each other and just uh, smacking and kicking the crap out of each other. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, tons of fun. Great match. Um, Yeah, I really liked it. I didn't get a chance to watch it back on tape just because um, I've just been busy today. And I'm like, I got super tired while I was watching it because I'm like getting sick and worn out from going as hard as we did on this trip. Uh, so I, was, I like fell asleep trying to rewatch it and I was like it's time for a nap uh, and I was hoping to get time to watch it all the way through now that I've like woken up more but uh, we didn't have enough time before we recorded so I enjoyed I it think, live yeah I don't think anyone will begrudge you only watching this match once before the podcast. Yeah. yeah 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 that's true <laughs> it was it was good uh, it was followed by the shine championship match Lufisto defeated Holiday, uh with a burning hammer and uh, I don't know, pretty cool match. The crowd wasn't very into it, but uh, I thought it was good. Yeah, it was chill. 
Yeah, I didn't know anything about Holla Dead. Uh, I someone suggested to me that she wasn't very good, but uh, she was fine in this match. Yeah. After the match, uh, Lufisto's cutting a promo. Gets on the mic and says, "The real women's revolution is her, and everything else is just a marketing plan for Barbie dolls." And uh, in response, Kimberly comes out and you know suggests to Lufisto that she wants a title shot at what I believe is Shine Fifty. I believe that they have a big show coming up. Uh, so apparently, uh, Kimberly and Lufisto are going to take on each other. Uh, I don't. Was this Kimberly's return to indie wrestling? I don't know, but definitely to shine. Right. I just don't know if anybody's seen her before, but uh, she had a good aura. She came out. Uh, this was good. Yeah, I liked Next when time. I liked the line about the women's revolution being marketing. I thought that was cute. I, I was into it. Sure. Yeah, it was good. Lufisto's good. I like yeah. Lufisto. Uh, Daisuke Sakamoto defeated Keith Lee uh, by pinfall with a German suplex. Uh, I'm not sure that everybody in the crowd knew that the bridging German suplex is Sekimoto's finish because they seemed pretty surprised that it got the uh, got the pinfall. But uh, this was an excellent match. Keith Lee dispensed with uh, a lot of his usual goofiness, and they just had uh, a real big boy season match, and it was awesome. Yeah, I thought that this was a blast. I really one thing that I noticed about this match is that there were a lot of matches on these on over this weekend that it felt like were too short or were kind of rushed, but I think that they did a really good job in this match of like letting things breathe. Like someone would hit a meaty clothesline on the other guy and they'd both kind of be down selling. And it sort of like, it gave all all the things that they did uh, a lot of weight. And I really liked that about this match. I thought it was very well paced and, 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 and and they took their time selling and um, yeah, it felt like Lee was ahead for most of the match and, you know, Sekimoto made his big comeback and, yeah, I, I really yeah, it was a great match. It was it was awesome. It was a really 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 great match. And I want to give a big shout out to Keith Lee. Uh, we ran into him as he was leaving the puncher training center one night, and he was just talking about you know how tough it had been on him uh, after having been in a car wreck on the Wednesday before Mania weekend. He tweeted out several times like, "Man, maybe it wasn't a great decision to wrestle all these matches after being in a car wreck." And I just I got the sense from him. I'm sure he was working a little, but I got the sense from him that he was really beat up and that this was tough on him. And it didn't show in this match. He went he went balls out and had a great uh, hard hitting match with Sekimoto. So uh, big shouts to Keith Lee. I know it was a big weekend for him. He got to work access and I'm sure he was trying to make an impression on a lot of different people. Uh, But I don't know. It feels weird to say, like, thanks for doing all this when you were hurt, because like I if you really are hurt, I would rather you take time off if you need it. But I appreciated the effort that he put in uh, as a paying customer. I enjoyed it. I agree. <laughs> good matches from Keith Lee. Yeah, Keith Lee is good. Uh, but the post-match was very good. The king. The motherfucking the king. <laughs> Nick Gage came out and attacked MDK. Keith Lee after the match. We're getting a style battle build right here, which is amazing. Uh, he gets on the mic and... Uh, announces to the crowd that he says and does whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, he tells everyone that, in his uh, humble opinion, Keith Lee is a pussy, and he's going to show everyone at Style Battle why he's a fucking god. Keith Lee gets on the mic um, and you know did his normal shtick about 
uh, basking in his glory. But this like got me fired up for their magic style battle, which of course I was not going to be able to go to, but this was a great angle. Yeah, it was good. It's always good to see the king. He was great this weekend. Yeah. Like, he won you over finally? Oh, yeah. A hundred percent won me over. I know I've kind of said I didn't really get it on a previous show, but seeing him live really changed everything for me. Like, uh, what a great performer. And somebody who I, I sense that he's being genuine when he talks about how much he loves how the crowds react to him. Like, uh, how much that, uh, how much he appreciates that. Yeah. That's it. His Thanks. gang gives him hugs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's definitely gang affiliated. Um, unfortunately, we did not get a picture in which he proclaimed us as being MDK. Yeah. Kind of sad. Next year, 2019, New Jersey. Right. Like the idea that Will Ospreay is more gang affiliated than we are is uh, pretty depressing. Yeah. That's, we got to work on that. That's all right. We're wrong boy click affiliated. So that's all good. Uh, the Evolved Tag Team Championship match continued uh, a sh- nice little streak here of really good, great matches. Uh, Doom Patrol defeated Ring Comp when Jaka pinned Timothy Thatcher following the death trap. Uh, did you love this as much as I did? Yeah, I really liked I thought this was great. Um, this was the biggest match of the weekend where I felt I wish it had another five minutes because it felt like it could have really been a really, really, really special match. And it was still great, but I was like, ooh, I could have used just a little bit more build, a little bit more of like a big finish. But yeah, this was terrific. I thought that the it was, I was like, oh, I really want to see a Jaka-Timothy Thatcher match. I thought that their grappling and their all their interactions were like very compelling. And the Dickinson and Walter stuff with Dickinson just... You know, Walter laying into Dickinson and Dickinson just loving it and smiling big, I thought was really great. Um, yeah, I thought it was a ton of fun. I thought I, I wanted to see a Thatcher Jaka singles match, and I really wanted to see a Walter Dickinson singles match. I, I loved, um, you know, that spot where they were going for the death trap, but then Walter and Thatcher started putting both of them in a choke you know, from behind. And yeah, I just, yeah, it was really, really good. I completely agree. Uh, and then we get a fun little angle after the match. Tracy Williams comes out to celebrate with the Doom Patrol boys. Uh, he says, this victory is what catch point is all about. However, it's time to address the elephant in the room. And at this point, he kind of dresses down Stokely, says that Stokely's run catch point into the ground and that Stokely's services are no longer needed. Stokely is, uh, I don't know that he's surprised by uh, Tracy not being happy with him, but he's surprised, as he says, that Tracy has no understanding of how contracts uh, or businesses work. And he tells Tracy that he owns Catchpoint, and in fact, he is firing Tracy from Catchpoint. Uh, At that point, we get Don Garini out, who low blows Tracy. Chris Dickinson rips Tracy's Catchpoint shirt off, uh, and Jocka holds his arms back. And, uh, you know, he's gone. He's out. The crowd chants a little hot sauce. Uh, but Tracy Williams is no longer in catch when it's now just Chris Dickinson, Jocka, and Dom Garini. Yeah, this angle. About, uh, how do you feel about the end of catch point as we know it? 
Well, we wanted a shakeup. We wanted some things to happen on the show, and this is a big thing. But they didn't build this the right way. It's unclear how the audience is supposed to feel. I guess it seems like the idea is that we're supposed to feel sympathy for Tracy Williams, right? And and, and in a vacuum, I thought he did a really good job of um, earning sympathy in the sense that he his facials were great. He looked very betrayed. And I think he did a really nice job of doing that. And he uh, defended Stokely the night before, right? He came out and saved Stokely. Right. The problem is like the year of storytelling before this doesn't align with what happened in the <laughs> sense that there's no reason to be sympathetic to Tracy Williams because he hired Stokely Hathaway in the first place, right? In, in some of the mini docs, he said things like, you know, Cat's Point is about competition and I just want Stokely to like, you know, be do the business end so I can just go out and wrestle and climb up the card. But we've all watched Stokely Hathaway and Evolve before. We know he's a grifter. We know he doesn't have good intentions. And surely Tracy Williams must have known that as well, right? The only real way of reading the storyline that makes any kind of sense is that Tracy Williams was, you know, jealous of Matt Riddle. He wanted the glitz and the glam of, of the Catchpoint brand. But, you know, he had to, like, lie either to the to publicly or to himself to sort of like delude himself into thinking that catch point was about competition. But there's no way that anyone could believe that he was hiring Stokely Hathaway and he thought that catch point was still going to be about competition. You know, a couple of months back, he, you know, attacked Keith Lee after his match for no reason from behind. Like he's been a piece of shit this whole time and he knew what he was getting into. And so now it's like, we're, kind of being asked to feel sympathy. Like they need to be honest about this storyline or have some vision about what it's actually about and communicate it. Like it would have been another thing if like two, a month ago, or even at this point, we got a Tracy Williams pro pro, you know, promo that explained his intentions, right? Like I knew Stokely was shifty, but I really, you know, I was wrong. Right. I, I wanted this thing, but and it blinded me to what was really happening. Like there needs some to be some sort of like he needs before we can um, have sympathy with him. He needs to address his actions in a way that feels sincere and authentic. Does that, yeah, there, is that fair? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. There was a good story to be told. They just didn't tell it. Um, Tracy was sympathetic at one time when it was, when he and Matt Riddle were going against each other. But the story the promotion wanted to tell us was that Matt Riddle was the sympathetic babyface, and it made no sense at the time. So then, when you turn, uh, when Tracy has to be the heel, and he is jealous and brings on Stokely, that makes perfect sense. Like you were just talking about that. Okay, you didn't go with the first story that I think made sense, but now this story makes sense. But they end up abandoning it in the end, and Tracy never gains anything. He just looks dumb at, in the end, and so it's really a bummer for his character and for uh and for catch point in general i guess because nobody gains anything yeah like it's just like i just want these people to commit to something in their storytelling and and this is like a frustrating because it could have been a great angle it should have for how long tracy williams has been in catch point when he gets kicked out it should get over with people and it like kind of did it right 
the the final match of the show uh, for the Evolve Championship, Matt Riddle defeated Will Ospreay with the Bro Mission. Uh, to me, this was not easy because PCO Walter was very good, but this was the match of the weekend. Yeah, this was spectacular. And it was like they came right out of the gate going at it, you know, it was like two minutes into the match where Osprey teased doing the Spanish fly to the floor again. And he did such a great tease of like looking at the floor and letting you know what he was thinking. And then, you know, by three minutes in, Riddle encountered it and dumped him on his head on the apron with the German. I mean, they went right for it. And there was such great storytelling. Riddle was so vicious. This is the Matt Riddle we've been begging for, just laying in those forearms into Will Osprey's injured neck. And Osprey is selling the shit out of it. Um, it was tremendous. And then, I mean, the storytelling at the end, I mean, the last five minutes of this match, everyone in the building was standing and we know how evolved crowds can be. We know how they were at other points during this weekend. Everyone in the building is standing for the last five minutes of the match. Some of the most remarkable stuff I've ever seen, you know, uh, Osprey is on the top rope and he was, no riddle had him in a choke in the ropes, right? Riddle was like going for a bro. No, Riddle was going for a bro mission. Osprey tried to got, get out of it by climbing up the turnbuckle and like falling back on him. But then Riddle turned it into a move where he basically did like a judo throw that slammed Osprey on his neck. And a bunch of referees came out to check on Osprey and Will and, and 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 Riddle's like trying to get in to beat up on him more, and they have to push him back. And then you know the match starts up again, and he just immediately kicks Will back in the back of the head. And so there's tremendous sympathy for Will. And the finishing stretch of this match is just, like, fucking awesome. The crowd is losing its shit. There's a million sick counters. You know, Osprey hits this gigantic powerbomb on Riddle. That's a great near fall for two. I mean, this was just superb. It was the Matt Riddle we wanted to see. You know, he winds up, you know, beating him with the bro mission. But this was, like, the vicious killer we've been begging for. Osprey was fantastic with his selling. Um, this was brilliant. I couldn't agree more. Uh, a couple of things this weekend. I was already an Osprey fan, but this weekend uh, just took it to another level. Like watching him up close, it's amazing how good he is, how smooth he is. He's just a great wrestler. And I know he's not for everybody, and I know a lot of people don't like him personally, but for what I like about wrestling, he's great at all of it. Yeah. And before this, I think before this weekend, I was like, like, I love, I like Osprey. I enjoy watching him flip, but like his selling is dumb and weird. He's a chud. Um, but now I'm like unironically, totally sincerely, like a hundred percent. Like I just fucking love Will Osprey. And he totally, he went on Twitter after and was such a sweetheart. He was like, I know I'm kind of a tit a lot of the time on this website, but like he apologized for his shit posting. Very relatable to me. And, you know, he was like, but I really do appreciate, I wanted to show everyone how much I appreciate, you know, the fans. He was a total sweetheart. He worked his ass off all weekend. He did way more than he had to in every match he was in. And this was great. And Riddle was great too. We talked a lot of shit about Matt Riddle uh, over the past I mean, the entire time we've been doing this podcast, but he was he was spectacular here. Please, Matt, if you're listening, Gabe, if you're anyone, just tell these guys, whoever is listening and knows Matt Riddle, Gabe Sapolsky, whatever, give us this guy. Give us this guy for the rest of this title reign and, and make some magic because this this was great. 
Yeah, the the only problem with Riddle here is that this is what he needs to be, is the asshole heel. That's where he shines. He was so great in this match because he got all the heat on Osprey, and he came across as a huge dickhead trying to injure an already hurt man. And all of us just wanted Will to win because uh, because he had so much had built up so much sympathy during the match. And I was hoping like, oh, they're going to this harder edge with Riddle. But then he, you know, cuts his promo, you know, just a normal babyface promo after the after the match. And like you said earlier, maybe that's his deal. He's going to be a dick in the ring and it's kind of a nice, you know, it's like his normal uh, uh, just kind of lovable self outside of the ring. But I just can't help but think that the whole promotion would be improved by embracing that uh, that Riddle's a heel. Yeah, I agree. I, like I said earlier, I get the idea of like he's an athlete and he's a killer in the ring and he's right. But this isn't fake. I mean, but this is like this isn't real sports. This is drama. This is art. Like, I guess it's a lot more compelling when the character in the ring matches the character outside of it. Yes. It's less interesting to have a chill laid back back bro who's a killer in the ring than it is to have someone who's just like a killer and a dickhead. So Right. Because yeah. if you if you're gonna work that way in the ring, you need the fans to boo you, to root against you. It doesn't really work. It just in wrestling it doesn't work that way. You can't be a fan favorite at all times except when you're wrestling. And it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense for the fans to cheer on the guy who's trying to hurt Will Ospreay's, you know, you know, he claims he was nearly paralyzed, whatever that, you know, whether that's real or not. And uh, and I'm supposed to cheer the guy who's trying to hurt him? I mean, it, uh, yeah, anyway. I'd like to see Riddle just be the dick that he, just the arrogant dick that he probably is and, uh, and just embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, if this is the guy that we're going to get, this title run could be really good. Yeah, not absolutely. as good as Zach's. No, of course uh, not. I mean, that's just absurd. Of course. No one could be. No. But, no. Uh, but, yeah, this made me very hopeful for the rest of this title run, that they're, they're you know, we're down in the dumps right now. Uh, right. You know, we watched Zack Sabre Jr. lose two title matches in person this weekend. <laughs> um. But perhaps there are better days ahead. Perhaps. Well, those are all the WWN shows from uh, this weekend. This turned out to be probably a little longer than normal shows since we had three shows to break down. Uh, but I hope everyone enjoyed it. If you were in New Orleans, I hope you had a great time. I hope you uh, chatted with us at some point. If you weren't, I hope you'll consider coming to uh, New York or New Jersey next year. Uh, I know the wrong boys will be in attendance. and uh, And, you know, we just want to hang out with more of our friends. So come out. It's a great time. Like you've got to do it. If you have the ability to get to New York, do it because I've done it two years in a row now. And uh, it's just, it's an experience unlike any other. Yeah. Like if you have the money and you can get off work and you can get to there to do it. Like, yeah, obviously like, you know, I understand that capitalism uh, (laughs) restricts us from doing the things that we want to do sometimes. Yes. Um, but if you can, if you can make it out to New York, like, yeah, or New Jersey, I guess, technically, like it's going to, yeah, it's great. 
I think both of us are trying to do Chicago uh, for all in in September. So we'll, we'll see about that. Um, yes, for sure. Uh, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to all in in September. Um, now the next evolve shows that we're going to have uh, evolve one Oh four in Chicago, evolve one Oh five in Detroit. Uh, this is May 19 and 20. So that's kind of the next time you can expect to hear from us. I guess the big thing for those shows is that Shane Strickland is going to be coming into the promotion. Maybe we should have seen that and realized somebody was going to have to leave if uh, if a, another sort of big star was coming in. We'll see how the promotion handles Shane Strickland. Uh, something I want to talk about on our next episode is like, you know, the grappling era of Evolve, I think, is over now with Zach being gone. And uh, kind of what is what's the identity of this promotion now, like from a wrestling perspective? So I hope we'll get into that uh, on our next show. And uh, I look forward to trying to survive without Zach and uh, and continue to talk about Evolve. Yeah. All right. RIP Zach and Evolve, man. We had some times. Yeah, they need to I, get David Starr in now so that there's like sure. another big time Twitter leftist. I, I, I got to say, I was really worried. Like after Zach lost and I was thinking about it, I was like, I don't know if this promotion is going to be as fun to watch. So that that's concerning to me. But I was I was buoyed by Matt Riddle's great performance. And uh, there's still a lot of guys here that I really like, like Dickinson and Jaka. Uh, presumably Walter will still be around. And so there's uh, plenty of stuff to like. For sure. We got to wrap it up because Twitter is saying that AJ Styles is wrestling Daniel Bryan right now. So we got to go do that. Oh, well, I got to go see that. Yeah. Okay. See you. Uh, it's been great. Um, make sure to catch us on Twitter at EvolvePod. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Aaron Taub's at AP Taub. You can find us on VoicesOfWrestling.com or on the podcast app of your choice. And uh, I think that's it. We'll see you in a few weeks. For Aaron, I'm Aaron. See you next time. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.